All right, if you grab a Bible in front of you or just look on the bulletin, um, we're going to Mark chapter 4, looking at verses 1 through 20 this morning. Mark 4, 1 through 20. You know, for as long as my dad lived, he seemed to have a hearing problem. He, he blamed his poor hearing on the fact that he served in the Army Field Artillery, you know, those servicemen who fired those thunderous cannons. I say seen because mostly his hearing was what you would call selective. See, I used to test his hearing. I'd say things like, hey, Pops, how was your day? And he would say, what? And without raising my voice, same volume, I'd say, hey, Pops, how was your day? And he'd say, oh, fine, thank you. Thanks for asking. And so what I came to realize was that his lack of hearing was more related to his will than any physical problem with his ears. Today we begin a new sermon series titled Parables of Jesus. Parables are short stories meant to illustrate or convey a certain truth. And our first parable in this series is the parable of, a, of the sower. Um, this parable of Jesus, it's a critical parable. Why? Because if you cannot hear Jesus in this parable you will not be able to hear any of his teaching properly. So there's a lot on the line. Are you ready? Let's read. And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. And so he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky soil, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who... When they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil, the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold 
and a hundredfold. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If you want to know God, if you want to know his will, if you want to know his way, you must know his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this word to us. Oh, how we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us genuine ears to hear, uh, to receive, and to bear fruit in what Jesus is teaching us here this morning. We pray this in the name of our Savior. Amen. Okay, men don't listen well. To my non-female participants in the audience here, I'll say that one more time. Men don't listen well. As a man, I admit it. Check out this illustration I picked up off the internet. Uh, The first slide um, actually uh, shows what a woman said to her husband before she was leaving town. That would be your creed. There we go. All right. Here's what it says. I love you, but you're a slob. You have to start cleaning. It's amazing how lazy you've become. I already missed the days you lent a hand, so maybe you could start helping out a little. I'll be back late tonight, so don't even think you can go out to the bar with your friend. Don't forget to call your mother so she doesn't worry. I'm swamped at work today, and there is no way I can take care of everything myself. Sharon will be back in an hour. When she does, make her what she wants to eat, not what you want to eat, so she doesn't vomit like she did after you made breakfast yesterday, will you? Please be there and wait for her to finish. Let her show you that she's brushed her teeth and please sit by the bed until she falls asleep. I love you. Hugs, hugs, hugs. Now, this is what the man actually heard in the red letters there. Here's what he heard. I love you. You're amazing. Tonight, go out to the bar with your friends. Don't worry. I can take care of everything myself. Be back when you want breakfast. We'll be by the bed. I love you. Hugs, hugs, hugs. (laughs) Jake Harris, is a. he was a former kid in my youth group back in St. Louis, and he came here one summer as an intern. He actually started our youth group here at um, Grace Presbyterian Church, and he's married now. And uh, here's what he posted on his Facebook page the other day. He said, every time my wife says, you're not even listening, I always think, that's a weird way to start a conversation. <laughs> All right, well, it's easy to poke fun at men who are horrible listeners, but let's get serious for a moment. When it comes to the really important words of life, the very words of God towards people like, like you and me, do we hear? And not just hear, but do we receive the words so that they produce fruit in our lives? In the passage we just read, Jesus is surrounded by hundreds, if not thousands of people. And what Jesus realized was that most of the people were coming with preconceived notions about who they wanted him to be. And so when he opened his mouth, people heard Jesus' words through these preconceived notions. And so they really didn't have ears to hear him rightly. And you know, people do this to this very day. We can have preconceived notions about who Jesus is, what he came to do, uh, what he must have said. We can think we've heard Jesus, but the truth is his words never put down deep roots into the soil of our lives. And so this parable of Jesus is a challenge to all who hear it. It begs the question, just what type of soil are you? See, Jesus wants his listeners to understand this beautiful truth that Jesus is the lavish sower 
of the words of God that give life to us. Therefore, we must be like fertile soil that nourishes the word so that it produces fruit in our lives. We're going to divide our time into three areas this morning. We're going to look at the message, the method, and the meaning. The method, the message, the method, and the meaning. First, the message. We're going to divide this into three points as well. The occasion, the audience, and the story. First, the occasion. What is the occasion for Jesus telling this parable of a lavish sower? Well, if your Bibles are open in Mark chapter 4 and you turn one page to the left, you see that a lot of things have happened so far in Mark's gospel. Jesus came on the scene with great fanfare. He called people to repent and to believe the good news and to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He demonstrated his divinity by, by healing people of many illnesses and, and, for, and by forgiving people their sins, but... Uh, By now, the religious leaders have become quite ticked. How dare he forgive sins, they said. Only God can forgive sin. And so they wanted Jesus dead. And so it's gotten to the point where Jesus can no longer teach plainly in and around the capital of Jerusalem. So he goes north into Galilee, and huge, huge crowds follow after him. Our passage is one such occasion. Now for the audience, picture this scene. Mark tells us that the audience is a very large crowd, and Jesus gets out into the boat um, as the others. They just gather on the sloping shore. like a, It's a perfect amphitheater. And because sound travels so well over water, Jesus didn't need a microphone. Now who would have been in the audience? There were certainly those religious leaders that I mentioned. They were there to catch Jesus saying something that, so that they could accuse him and bring him up on charges, and perhaps even crucify him. But most of the people there weren't the religious types, but but they didn't see Jesus correctly either. They saw Jesus as a spectacle. They were hoping maybe for a miracle of some free bread uh, or some other healing to occur. They were fascinated with the man, but not with his message. Still others were hoping what? That Jesus would lead them on this wonderful rebellion, and they would kick out the invading Roman Empire. But the more and more they listened to Jesus' words, the more he sounded like a weak pacifist. So the audience was made up mostly of people who thought they knew who Jesus was, so they weren't able to really listen and wrestle with what Jesus was saying. Now picture this scene. Mark says in verse 2 that he, Jesus, was teaching them many things in parables. So check this out. Jesus is in the boat, and he's teaching them many things. He's using these parables. And, but he looks up, and he doesn't like what he sees. People are whispering to their friends, perhaps things like, wow, when can we see a, a miracle? Or, or I'm hungry. Or I got a tennis match in 45 minutes. I hope he ends soon. You get my point. And so what does Jesus do? He tells them one last parable, a parable that describes how the crowds actually listen to him. And he begins with a story. It would have been a familiar topic, a farmer with a bag of seed over his shoulder who walks through the field and he just scatters the seed everywhere and it lands on various types of soil. Some lands on a path and what happens? The bird come, they come and they eat it. Others fell on, on rocky ground. In the Middle East, this isn't like ground with rocks in it. It's, uh, there, in the Middle East, there was places where the, the topsoil was so thin, underneath it was bedrock, and so things would sprout, but then they, they really couldn't grow. Uh, Jesus tells us that others fell among thorns, and the thorns grew alongside the plant and choked the life 
out of it. So he tells us there's three types of soil that, that receive seed from the sower, but in the end, no fruit is produced. Listen, something is faulty with the soil, not the seed. The seed is good, and the seed is sown lavishly. If the soil were, were but receptive, a harvest would take place. Jesus does describe good soil in verse 8. And the other seed fell into good soil, producing grain, growing up and increasing, yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. It doesn't really matter. It's just a really wonderful harvest. And so the audience gathered on the hillside would have been familiar with the details of this parable. The problem was, would they be able to discern the point that Jesus was getting at? See, the picture, the scene that Jesus Picture the scene as Jesus wraps up this lesson, right? So he, he concludes by saying what? He begins by saying, listen. That's how he begins the parable, listen. And he ends in verse 9 by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then Jesus lowers his head. He paddles back to shore, gets out of the boat, grabs his disciples, moves away from the crowd. And no doubt the disciples are scratching their heads too and as they watch people kick up, the, kick up the dust as they return to their homes. No doubt they heard people say, what a waste of time. He's, he's just a storyteller, nothing more. And the skeptics would have said, see, I told you this Jesus wasn't all that special. That's the message. Now for the method. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, he taught plainly. Perhaps you remember some of the words he spoke early on. Repent and enter the kingdom of heaven. Judge not, lest you be judged. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. But now there was so much opposition that Jesus stopped teaching plainly, and he began teaching in parables. Why parables? Because parables serve a dual purpose. Parables have the ability to both hide and reveal. Dan Doriani writes this about parables. Jesus spoke in parables because they have a unique ability to give to some and to take away from others. And so check this out. Most of the people in the crowd, when they heard the parable, parables of the kingdom of heaven, would think something along this line. Well, that's interesting, but it's kind of a pointless story. <laughs> but... The genuine disciple, the one who is listening and learning to trust Jesus more and more, guess what? He or she is given more and more from the parable. That is what Jesus is, is saying to his disciples in verse 12, 10 through 12. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that... They may indeed see, but not perceive, that they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, what in the world is Jesus saying? Well, Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 6. God called Isaiah for a special purpose to bring God's words to God's people. But God warned Isaiah. He said, guess what? The people, they're going to see, but really not perceive. And they're going to hear, but they're really not going to hear. In other words, you've got you know, a lot coming at you. Jesus, in quoting Isaiah, is telling his disciples that this still happens to this day. People hear, but they don't really hear. It goes in one ear and out the other. And therefore, it bears no genuine fruit. But there is a response that 
bears fruit. What is it? What would the proper response be of someone in the crowd who heard that and was a little confused? The proper response would have been to go towards Christ, to to find one of his disciples and plead with them and say, please leave me to your master. I've got some questions. I want to follow along with you guys for a while. There's some things I feel like I need to learn. And guess what? Mark tells us in this very passage that that's what people did. Look, in, in verse 10, did you catch it? It says, and those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. While many in the crowd walked away, some drew closer to Jesus in order to be given more. My friends, that is the res- that's the proper response. Perhaps though you're still somewhat in the dark, you come to trust that Jesus has enough, and you come near to him. And my friends, we have another word for that. What is it? We call it what? We call it faith. (laughs) Faith is trusting that Jesus has the words that give you life. And though you still don't have him all figured out, you entrust your life to him for more. And Jesus tells his disciples the blessing of trusting in him. In verse 7, he says, we see Um, God's grace towards all who draw near to Christ in faith. He says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying that he lavishly gives to all who genuinely seek. Check this out. What little faith you have, he can work with that in order to bear fruit in your life. My friends, faith is not a leap into the unknown. It's a step closer to the one who welcomes you to take a step closer. And when you start to trust in Christ, he begins to bear fruit in your life. So the method of teaching in parables is meant to what? Either to further cloud rebellious minds or to give more insight as you genuinely draw near to Christ. So we looked at the message and the method, not for the meaning. It was July 1961, and 38 members of the Green Bay Packers football team were gathered together for the first day of training camp. The previous season had ended with a heartbreaking defeat when the Packers squandered a lead late in the fourth quarter and lost the NFL championship to the, yeah, Philadelphia Eagles. Green Bay players had been thinking about this brutal loss the entire offseason, and now finally training camp had arrived. It was time to go back to work. The players were eager to advance their game to the next level from where they had left off the previous year, but their coach, Vince Lombardi, had a different idea. He wanted to go back to the basics, and so he took a ball and he held it up and began by saying, this is a football (laughs) Lombardi took those football professionals back to the very basics in order to build them up from there. Jesus takes his disciples back to the basics. In verse 13, we see it. He says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And and so Jesus simply begins by, by holding up the seed, and he says, see this seed? This seed is the word of God. 
It's my message that I've been telling you about the kingdom of heaven, the, the good news that Father in his, in his great love is restoring a people back to himself and that one day he will recreate heaven on earth for all eternity. My friends, oh, how we need the basics of the gospel implanted in us to bear fruit. The seed is the simple message of the gospel. When Jesus says, I'm the son of God sent from heaven to bring you back into a relationship with my heavenly father, your creator. It's Jesus saying, I go to the cross to die for you that you may now live in me. That's the seed. That's the good news. It's good news for people like you and me. Question is, do we hear it? And is it bearing fruit in our lives? Jesus tells his disciples about the soils that do not respond properly to the words of Christ. He says there's this seed that falls on the path. Jesus says that in verse 15. This is where the word of Jesus about his kingdom go out into the eardrums of the skeptic. And in the instant they hear it, like Satan immediately just takes the word away. You know, this described me uh, back in my 20s. I was a very proud atheist slash agnostic, depending upon the day. During those years, people would tell me about Christ. They were Christians. They were nice about it and all. But I didn't even dignify their words. I'd have nothing of it. And so like Jesus describes, the words were like plucked from me before they even had a chance to germinate. Perhaps that describes you here this morning. In love, I warn you. Christ is who he says he is. He has risen from the grave. His kingdom has come. And one day you will bow your knee before him, either as his friend or as his foe. And yes, he is patient, but at some point your time will end. But there is hope for you. Why? Because Jesus is the lavish sower of seed. And I'm living proof that he is. I'm so thankful that God has grace for fools like me. Jesus is able to, was able to take the hard soil of my life and just like turn it over so that his seed could bear fruit. So there's hope, even for the hardest of atheists. And so think about this. What kind of sower would throw expensive seed in such ways that it lands on a path or on rocky soil or amongst thorns? What kind of sower would? A lavish sower. One who loves us so much that he, he doesn't mind appearing wasteful. Jesus also points to the seed that falls on rocky ground. This thin layer of soil on top of bedrock. So the seed settles in and it germinates and it grows, but the roots cannot develop properly. So, so you know, it's okay if it's like nice and cool out like today, but in the summer when the heat comes, what happens? The plant falls away, it dies. Jesus is saying that there's a type of person who seems to be a Christian, but when the going gets tough, they fall away. You know, there was countless people early on who followed Jesus. The crowds were enormous, right, if you read your Gospels. But then something happened. The crowds disappeared by the tens of thousands. What happened? They initially received the word with joy, 
But then as they continued to follow after Jesus, they came to see that the kingdom that Jesus was describing was not really what they had bargained for. See, there's a cost to following Jesus. There is tribulation. There is persecution for all who follow Christ. Isn't it true? The meek in this world, the meek are trampled upon in this world. And yet, what did Jesus say? He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Peacemaking is one of the most difficult endeavors you can enter into. It's hard. People don't want to make peace. But Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. My friends, to follow after Christ is to embark on a more difficult path, not an easier one. But know this, the journey is worth the suffering. There is fruit for those who endure. Then there's the third faulty soil in verse 18. Jesus says, these are the ones who hear the word, but what happens? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, their desires for things. Don't even say what the things are. I don't know. They could be all kinds of things. They enter into the equation, and what happens? The word is, is choked out, and in the end, they don't produce fruit. You know, early in Jesus' ministry, when he was teaching plainly, you remember some of the words he said? He said, do not store up treasure on earth. It doesn't last. It rusts and all that. But store up treasure in heaven. And he said, no one can serve two masters. Remember that? For he either will hate the one and love the other. And he says, you cannot serve God and money. Now, the person that Jesus describes in this third soil is someone who hears Jesus' teaching. He hears that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And yet he says to himself, but let me try. And for a little while, all appears to be going well, but in the end, his love for money will choke out his life of faith. And in the end, people will see he really didn't have any faith at all. Why? Because he bears no fruit. Those are the threefold soils that line up with the wrong responses. But then there is such a thing as good soil. All right, cheer up. There's such a thing as good soil. All right. How does Jesus describe the good soil? Look at verse 20. But, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. The seed, the, the word of the kingdom uh, lands on good soil. And what happens? They hear the word, right? And they accept the word and it bears fruit. Instead of finding all kinds of preconceived reasons for rejecting the words of Jesus, this type of hearer wrestles with it and comes to accept it. He or she doesn't know all the details, but they trust Jesus enough to move closer to him and investigate with him. You know, most people you meet will insist they're what? Open-minded. But when you get to the heart of it, you find out that they're really only open-minded to the things they already want to believe. (laughs) Such is human nature. And so Christians are often lampooned for our so-called lack of being open-minded. 
But I'd like to say that the gospel actually opens your mind. Allows you to think things you never would have even thought of before. Things that your heart actually doesn't want to hear but needs to hear. Things where your nature in you says, I don't even want to consider such things. And yet, when the gospel comes into your life, your mind is open to Christ. You accept his words. And when the words of Christ open your mind, you begin to hear and see everything differently. C.S. Lewis makes that point with these amazing words. Listen, hear this. Here's what he says. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Let me repeat that for the men here. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. My friends, the gospel, when you receive it, opens your mind to begin to see things you never could have seen before. And this is a good thing, not a bad thing. This is what your heart longs for. Deep in the side, the recesses of your, of your heart, you long to see things as God wants you to see them through his gospel. Contrary to what people say, Christianity is not a closing of your mind. It is an opening of your mind to think and understand things you never could have seen before turning and trusting in Christ. But to experience what Jesus calls you to come to experience, you must first what? You must take a short step in the right direction towards Christ and not away. And what will you find when you move towards Christ in faith? I think you're going to find a lavish sower who welcomes you and produces life and joy in you. I want to close with a short video clip. It's a video of people who were deaf, but now are able to hear for the very first time. Imagine that, being deaf your whole life, and now you can hear. I take your hearing aid out. Okay. Okay. Is it on? It's on. Can you hear me? Good. How does it sound? It sounds, um, my God. Can you hear yourself? Sounding better. Can you hear my voice now? (laughs) Yeah? What about mom's voice? Can you hear my voice? Yes. Technically, we're we're on. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear my voice? <laughs> How's it sound? I'm on. <laughs> Can you hear your voice? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're gonna have to get used to that. <laughs> what about that? I'm not right over it. Yeah. 
There you go. It's beeping. So now technically your device is on. Can you tell? Oh, it's exciting! Here you can put it down for a second. Just get used to the sound. <laughs> what does it sound like? <laughs> to hear for the very first time, what a joy. How much more so to hear the gracious, life-giving words from God himself towards sinners like you and me. You know, the message of the kingdom is the greatest Story, the greatest words you can ever hear. God Himself is speaking to us. Listen, listen to this. Of all the things you can use your ears to hear, should you not use them to hear from God Himself? This parable teaches us that when you step out in faith towards Jesus, He rewards you with fruit. The fruit of your life being connected now to his, to being restored to a relationship with your creator in whose image you are made. The question you must now ponder is this. Do you have ears to hear? Will Jesus' invitation to follow him go in one ear and out the other? Or will it take deep root in your soul and cause great joy in you as he bears fruit in your life. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, it is a joy to have uh, the gift of hearing. Um, we become so distracted in our lives from the things that really need to be listened to. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the lavish sower. You just continue to scatter seeds, even when we're not willing. But we pray today that we would be willing, that you would press in us um, the word of the gospel, that it would be firmly planted, that its roots would go deep, and that your life would be our lives, that, that you would bear much fruit in us, we pray. Amen.